Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Empowerment with Elizabeth. Today I'm here with my sweet new friend, Miss America 2009, Katie Stam, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about her year as Miss America, uh, you know, life after the crown, all the things. So Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hey, Liz. Thanks so much for having me on. As you said, my name is Katie Stam Irk. I'm originally from Southern Indiana. I grew up on a dairy farm, actually, and uh, went off to school up in Indianapolis about hour and a half away from my hometown and went to the University of Indianapolis studying communications, uh, was going to be a television broadcaster, uh, both anchor and reporter for the rest of my life. Ended up meeting my husband uh, very early on in college. Uh, we started dating and actually had been dating for about three and a half years, I think it was, when I won Miss America. And uh, and then shortly after my tenure as Miss America, we got married. We now have three amazing kids. They are seven, eight, and 10 years old, a boy and two girls. And life is very busy. I kind of bringing things full circle now work full time in agriculture. I have for about the last 12 years. I work specifically in marketing and communications and business development. So uh, I love supporting the agriculture community and getting back to my roots. I love that. I love that. My CSI or platform, as it used to be called, is food insecurity. So I love that. That just makes me happy that you work in agriculture, too. Um, that makes me happy as well. Yes. Right. Um, also from your, uh, from your reign, I remember, just like I told you, I've watched the Miss America 2009 pageant multiple times. And I remember you were talking about your husband and how y'all had been dating, um, a long time before you were ever crowned. And I remember you standing on stage as you were crowning, who would that have been? Miss America 2010. I can't remember, but you were like about to crown her and you were like, I'm getting married. I'm so excited. I just remember that. About <laughs> I thought it was so cute. Um, but yeah, it actually, yeah, it caught me totally by surprise. Mario Lopez was the host that year and he and I had become good friends during my year because he was the host also whenever I was competing. And so he was the one that made the announcement on live television and I was not expecting that at all. So uh, you can certainly uh, see how surprised I was in the moment, but very excited to be able to make the announcement of my new engagement. That was so cute. Yeah, I love that moment. <laughs> okay, so talk a little bit about what first got you interested in competing in pageants. Did you start with the Miss America system? Did you start with a different one? Kind of talk about that journey. Well, I, ever since I can remember, I've had a fascination about pageantry. Uh, I even have this picture of myself when I was three years old, sitting in my favorite rocking chair. I was wearing one of my mother's slips because I, I used to play in them as though they were my evening gowns. And I have a makeshift crown on my head. And so I really, like I said, as long as I can remember, have had a fascination about pageantry. I can remember watching Miss America and Miss USA growing up. But I didn't really have access to competing until I was a teenager growing up in the country on a farm. It, it wasn't, you know, front of mind when I was thinking about competing. I was just intrigued by the world uh, of pageantry. So when I was 15, I very vividly remember my cousin Janelle, who was like a sister to me, called me up and said, did you see the newspaper today? Uh, there was a, an announcement in the newspaper that they were going to be starting a local teen competition, and it was called Teen Jackson County, and she was like, I think we should do it. 
$40 to enter, no swimsuit competition, no talent competition, anything like that. It's like, oh, this sounds like a blast. Uh, so what do we need to do in order to enter? And so she said, there is an application that we needed to get. So, uh, <laughs> you know, get my hands on an application, start filling it out, and then realize that that's actually due the next day. And so my very first pageant competition uh, was a bit of a, a chaotic, you know, very uh, last minute endeavor, but it was really exciting. And and so I competed at that Teen Jackson County. There was actually a, a state competition uh, after the county competition. And then there was even a national competition after that. That program actually is no longer in existence, but that was called uh, the America's Southern Teen Pageant. So I went through that system. Then uh, a couple years after that, I went through what is now known as the Distinguished Young Woman Program. In my day, it was known as America's Junior Miss. So I was able to compete at the local, the state, and the national level as as that. Uh, was able to play second runner-up at America's Junior Miss, uh, which was a, a quite an honor. It's a fantastic program. And then that turns me to the Miss America organization, which Miss America was always the ultimate goal, of course. It was always what I wanted to do but never thought was possible. And I competed in my first local, got first runner up and thought I that was the end of that journey. Like I said, I was already dating my husband at the time and I was very busy in school. I was on track to graduate a semester early from college. I was already working in my field and thought I gave it a shot. Yes, it's a lifelong dream of mine, but I got first runner up. I'm content with that. I can walk away. And it was actually some of the other contestants I competed with that said, you need to give it another shot. And so a few weeks later, I said, okay, one more time. And Bye. it was at that, <laughs> yeah, it was at that local. I ended up winning and then going on to Miss Indiana and then Miss America that year. So uh, my journey through pageantry, you know, when I was in the middle of it, it seemed so much a part of my life. And now looking back on the last, you know, 15 years, even since I've been Miss America and so much life that has happened and really all in all, I only competed for about seven years and that's it. And that went by so fast. So such a wonderful experience. And I'm so thankful that I was able to have the opportunities I did. I love that. Okay. So throwing it back to when you were competing in Miss America, talk about your favorite phase of competition and then tell us a little bit about why that phase was your favorite. So I have a favorite phase of competition to compete in. And then I have a favorite phase of competition to watch. So okay, fair. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite to compete in is talent. Uh, I've been a singer my entire life. Um, and I think one of my favorite to watch is always the evening gown competition. I always just love to see people's personalities come through and, and what they select. And I know it's not necessarily called the evening gown competition anymore, but I just always, you know, what what girl doesn't love to dress up and feel glamorous and wear a gown that makes you feel like Cinderella? So I love watching that because I just, I love it when you're able to see someone and they, they feel beautiful 
it reflects in every ounce of their being. And there's just something about that that I love seeing. I love people walk with confidence and to feel good about themselves. Um, so that's always really fun to watch and then really fun to compete in talent, albeit uh, quite stressful too. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, I would say I'm probably hardest on myself in talent just because like you said, I've been doing it my whole life. There's a lot of expectations yeah. there. I'm like, I, I really don't yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So talk about your preparation for Miss America. You know, what did that look like? Um, Was it what you expected when you were going through it? Was anything about that shocking to you? And then there's anything that you could change knowing what you know now, what would you change about your prep? Oh boy. Uh, It's funny you ask this question because I was just talking with a good friend this weekend about what my experience leading up to the pageant and competing was like. And again, I've had quite a bit of time to reflect on it. The short answer to what would I change? I, you know, I, I struggle with that because, you know, I, I had such an incredible outcome. So it's hard to think, well, don't change anything because it's the outcome that you couldn't even dream of, you know? Um, but I was very much a fish out of water, even though I had had a little bit of competing under my belt before I came to the Miss America system. I still very much just coming from a farm and didn't really leave my county very much growing up. And so hadn't really experienced a lot of big cities or just different places in the country. And so my, my life experience was so limited, um, which I think was, it uh, was of benefit because I was experiencing everything for the first time. And I really genuinely was able to soak up every second because it was a new experience. And part of that kind of it, there was so much excitement over experiencing things that were new that I didn't get caught up in, oh my goodness, I'm competing for Miss America. And what do I need to do in order to do well? I was just so in awe the entire time that I think it allowed me to be very present in every moment. Um, so again, going back, you know, it's hard to say that I would change anything about uh, how I prepared for it, but I also laugh when I think about how genuinely unprepared I was. Uh, and I even think, you know, I, when I competed, I, I didn't have my nails done. I didn't have hair extensions in. I had never had my hair cut or colored by anyone before I became Miss Indiana. And then we had a, a hair salon who was a sponsor. I'd always done it myself. Um, when I competed on Miss America's stage, I didn't have fake eyelashes on, like, you know, just like things that I look back at and it's like, I competed at Miss America and I didn't even wear fake eyelashes, you know, like, oh my goodness. So, um, just, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. And, um, so I, I'm sure if I competed now, my preparation would look a lot different, but it's hard to think that I would change anything about that experience because I, I really truly was able to enjoy every moment. Yeah. I guess kind of one of those ignorance is bliss type of things. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. 
Okay, so what was the most surprising thing about going, shifting from being Miss Indiana to being Miss America? You know, you're a state title holder. Before that, you were a local title holder. And then all of a sudden, you're a national title holder. So what did that difference look like? Total shift. Total shift. I went from a college student who had one semester left of school, who, like I said, was working in my field. I was dating whom I expected to be marrying in the near future. Um, I was crowned Miss Indiana, and it immediately became apparent that I was going to have to delay that last semester of school. So I did, but I didn't really think beyond that. Um, And then I won Miss America, and my entire world imploded. I, you know, started living out of suitcases. I didn't even have a chance to go home and prepare to be living on the road for an entire year. So I can remember the night that I won Miss America, my best friend, my best friend now, he was a member of the board of directors for Miss Indiana at the time. He was charged with going and getting my luggage out of my my room that I'd been staying in the last 10 days in Las Vegas while we were going through rehearsals and appearances, you know, going up into the uh, the actual pageant. And he brought my suitcases into my new room that they had moved me into after I'd won Miss America. And there was a woman in there, Debbie Kendall. She had been an integral part of the Miss Oklahoma organization. And she had been charged the last few years with helping Miss America kind of that first night, helping to prepare her mentally and emotionally for what she was getting ready to experience. And Debbie, I remember she looked at my two suitcases that my now best friend had pulled into the room and she goes, no, I need all of her luggage. And he goes, this is it. And she goes, no, no, you don't understand. Like, this is what she's going to live out of for this next year. And Michael looked at Debbie and said, no, you don't understand. I packed more than she did. So (laughs) this is all she has. And so Debbie was like, okay, we'll figure out how to work with this. And so you go from, you know, like I said, being a college student and working to being a public figure who is living out of suitcases that you were not adequately prepared for. And you are on an airplane to New York City to be on the Today Show and Good Morning America. And in between those interviews, you're doing phone interviews while you're being escorted to the next one. And you're living out of hotels. A lot of people desire to have your autograph and your photo. And I mean, like, my life imploded. It did. And nothing can truly prepare you for that. And I think that is a blessing. Um, And you really look at the experience and pinch yourself a million times. And then you realize that it's a job very much as a job that it requires sacrifice Um, But most importantly, that you are going to learn so much. You are going to push beyond whatever limitations you previously thought existed in the best way. And you are going to grow beyond. It it, it is the most incredible development experience I have ever had in my entire life. I bet. I bet. 
talk about like what the biggest lesson that you learned that year was. Cause you said, you know, like it's, it's kind of inevitable because it's such a big shift that, you know, for better or for worse, you're going to learn something. So what was the biggest piece of advice or, or lesson that you learned that year? To me, it, it became very clear, very quickly, the influence that the crown has. You walk into a room with a crown on your head and it draws attention and it leaves an impact. So that became very clear, very quickly. And the Miss America brand is so strong that it really does carry a presence with it wherever it goes. And so I recognized how, yes, I would walk into a room with the crown on, but almost immediately take the crown off because there were a couple of things that I thought were really impactful about that. Um, how special it is to put that crown in other people's hands. That was huge for me. And also for my peers, for little girls who were looking up to Miss America, when I took that crown off, it was, oh, you're just a girl. So I think the greatest lesson was Miss America is very special. As are every sing every person that you come into contact with. And when you acknowledge the influence of the brand and the crown and the title, and you're able to kind of separate yourself even momentarily from that and tangibly hand that to someone else, you leave a mark on people. That was very special for me to experience and realize the influence that was associated with that. And that's something I carry even today because it is just so important. I want to make people feel special. I want them to feel important. And if they think you're important and you take the time to invest in them and remind them that they are special and important, that's a really cool thing to be a part of. I love that. I love that. That reminds me of um, Princess Diana. Um, and <laughs> right? She's just like my favorite person on this planet. Um, but I mean, that that's like straight out of like something that she would be doing. You know, I think about like whenever she was walking across the minefields, like after they had dug up all of the landmines and um, it was like a field that kids were going to be playing on. So she wanted to make sure that she, you know, was able to walk across to make sure there weren't any still there, which is obviously like that's right. that's life or death. So but and not necessarily to that level, but I mean, in a micro way, it is, you know, because that's something that they're going to remember for the rest of their life. So I love that. Um, okay, so uh, about- you for I too, I love Princess Diana. I grew up in a household. My mother was obsessed with her. So she had all these books about, you know, her fashion and our calendar hanging in the kitchen was Princess Diana, you know, so we had a, a strong influence and she, her life made an impact on me as well. And, and that is a, a perfect example. Someone who doesn't think Princess Diana was incredibly special. And when she did things like walking across the minefield or taking on a lot of the causes that she did, um, like her cause in, in trying to find a cure for AIDS. And the time she stood for people that um, didn't have much of a voice and she gave them a voice because she had that influence and she chose to use that influence 
to be the voice for those that were voiceless. So that is a great example of somebody that chose to use uh, her influence in a way to give back to other people. And that's why she left such a permanent mark on society. We still talk about her today. There's TV productions and movie productions being made about her life. And, you know, just what an incredible legacy she left. So that that is a great example of that. But I'm nowhere near that same level. <laughs> the picture of her, um, have you seen the picture of her where she's like shaking the hand of the man that has AIDS? And this is in the 80s, yeah. like before, like any of that was right. like, recognize that that wasn't even a way that you could transmit it but that was like people were afraid to touch right. people that had AIDS back then and that picture gives right. me chills to this day because it's just so because like yeah. her, her her publicist is like trying to push her back and she's like pushing him back so that she can shake this guy's hand and oh, I yeah. just I love that you love her yeah. too yeah she she's she was remarkable and her legacy still is yeah really Okay, so talk about your favorite appearance that you did during your year as Miss America. This one's hard. I get asked this a lot, and it's really hard. I have so many incredible moments that I think of when I reflect back on my time as Miss America. And, you know, there are so many with kids that I was able to interact with through my work with the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. I mean, I just... I. I remember their faces. Of course, they're 15 years older now. I remember just everything about our moments together, whether we were doing TV interviews together, we were standing on stage at a fundraiser, we were, you know, making blizzards at a dairy queen, you know, whatever it was that I was able to do with these kids. Um, Just so many amazing moments with them. So those moments were highlights. And then my work with the military, um, any of my experiences, uh, whether it was traveling overseas, I was the first Miss America to go to Europe in over 35 years. Uh, and I did that with the army. They had invited me to come over and do a tour. Uh, so we did a number of stops along the way. And um, the the servicemen and women that I met during that tour we became very, very close, um, so much so that when I went back to Las Vegas the following January to crown Miss America 2010 Caressa Cameron, five of them came to Las Vegas. They took leave and came to Las Vegas to sit in the audience to support me. And so it was really special. One of the preliminary nights of competition, I was uh, able to be up on stage with the host that night and was able to have them stand and be recognized and the roar of applause and cheering from the audience that night. It just, it brought me to tears and gives me goosebumps still to this day. So um, that work was so impactful and uh, it's hard to boil those down to just moments because it was the relationships And I had multiple moments with those people. So it wasn't necessarily the appearance. It was the person. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that. Um, Okay, so talk about, aside from the obvious, you know, the being by yourself and pretty much the whole year and traveling all the time and I'm sure being jet lagged. What was the most difficult part about being Miss America? I, I think... Early on, so 
I'll just brevity is not my strong suit. So I love telling stories. So, okay. Um, if you have watched uh, the Miss America pageant, the night that I won, um, you know that my talent piece was singing Via Dolorosa, which is a song about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the very next day, before I caught my flight to New York, um, I they called a meeting with the leadership, the executive team of the organization at the time. And they invited my parents to come and, and participate in that meeting as well. And they just gave a very high level overview of what this year was going to look like, what my communication was going to be like back at home, how frequently I was going to be able to see my my family, just the, the logistics, right? And uh, so we kind of got through all of that. And then they started talking about, okay, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself because there are certain things, you know, maybe there's organizations we would like to partner with, you know, being a farm girl, uh, I was a 10 year 4-H member. So they wanted to let the national 4-H organization know that I was a 10 year 4-H member and I was able to work with them. Um, So those types of conversations and the conversation turned to my Christianity mostly in part to me singing a song about the crucifixion during talents. And so they said, you know, we, we want to share, you know, many of the people in this room are Christians. They do claim Christianity. Um, but we do have to remind you that as Miss America, that you are the representative of all beliefs and of all people. And so we're going to ask that you not share your faith this year, unless you're asked. And that really caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that. Um, I understand it. Uh, that was never a question. I fully understood that. And I wanted to respect the guidelines of the organization. I also knew that not sharing my faith or having to be cautious about sharing my faith was going to be a challenge for me. Um, so while it was a challenge, I, God met that challenge because nearly everywhere I went, someone asked me about my faith. And so I never even had to bend the rules a little bit. Here you go, loophole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really, it, it was divine intervention. I would be speaking at a corporate event with a thousand employees in the audience talking about some kind of service project and tying that into the work that the company was doing. And then I'd open up the floor for questions and answers. And someone would say, are you a person of faith? Are you a Christian? And I mean, I was just blown away. Just the opportunities that God created during that year. And so I really wanted to be as respectful as possible. I also wanted to share my faith. I did not want to be silent about that. And so the way maker made a way and uh, it was just, it was really cool to experience, but that was, that was a big challenge of my year because it's so much a part of who I am. And like I said, I didn't want to, I didn't even want to bend the rules. You know, I wanted to be respectful in every way and uh, it all worked out. I love it. I love it. I can just picture you being at a convention and somebody asks and you're like, oh, thank goodness. Yay. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could capture what my face looked like in the moment, you know, I'm sure there'd, 
uh, my genuine surprise and joy in somebody. And absolutely, I can tell you where I stand. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay, so I know you guys didn't have community service initiatives um, back then specifically. Um, But talk about, you know, you've been talking about your work with agriculture. So talk about what your platform was, what that looks like during your year. You said you might have worked with 4-H and some other partnerships. Yeah, so it was called uh, your platform um, during the time that I competed. And I always describe to people, it's very similar, you know, whether it's the community service initiative, your social impact initiative, it's gone by a lot of different names over the years. But even before it was identified as a platform in 1989-1990, Miss America has always had a cause that she championed. And the beautiful part about that is that every Miss America brings something special to the table where their heart, where their passion lies. And then they can, just like we were talking a few moments ago about giving the voice to the voiceless or a more amplified voice to those that do have a voice. So for me, I chose community service as my platform. And I have to say, I got so much criticism for that at the time. Um, A lot of people thought it was too general, that it made it less impactful. And so I would always come back and say that actually, because it is so general, because it is so broad, that's a strength of it. Because one day I was able to promote you know, youth leadership through 4-H. Another day I was able to be building houses for wounded warriors. Another day I was able to raise funds for the American Red Cross. You know, like it, it didn't matter because I wasn't pegged into just one topic. There's beauty in being pegged into just one topic. You can really make some headway if you focus on just one very direct niche group. It's an amazing thing. It just wasn't where my heart was. Uh, Doing something that was more broad was more aligned with where my passion was. And it led to some beautiful opportunities. And it's incredible because it has stayed with me ever since. It wasn't, I always encourage young women whenever they're getting ready to compete, don't choose something because you're passionate about it right now. Mm -hmm. Choose something that aligns with your life. Don't choose something that, oh, yeah, I think that's a good cause. Choose something that has spoken to you your entire life uh, because it will become a part of who you are and will be woven into every aspect of your being. Service comes up so frequently in conversation. My family, service is one of our core values. So it this isn't just what I chose as my platform. This is my lifestyle. And I I want young women to look at it as that. Where do your passions lie? Look at this as, oh, I'm doing this because it's going to look good on paper, or I have to do this because of Miss America, or it has to tick this many boxes to be considered an official community service initiative. No, that's the beauty of this is do something that speaks to you, that sets your heart on fire. Uh, because there there are really no specific parameters except for you have to be passionate about it. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. That's awesome. Um, okay, so this question is really just me being nosy and wanting to know, but I was watching your Miss America competition 
in preparation for talking to you. And I thought I noticed that they taped the crown to your head. Is that what that was? Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. My best friend is going to laugh so hard when he watches this. So it wasn't tape. Okay. They were what they called crown clips. They're tiny combs. They're about, I don't know, inch and a half to two inches tall. And they're on uh, elastic. Okay. So they actually go out on the outside of the crown. Okay. So they kind of have the outside of the crown. So the idea of them is when you're crowning, you kind of move them in and you kind of put them into the hair, right? Right. And then it holds the crown in place. So Kirsten Haglund, who was Miss America 2008, she didn't quite get the clips in tight enough. So they flipped back out and they kind of grabbed my hair and did one of these. And so my best friend jokes about it still today he calls them my little bear cub ears he's like there, there's your little bear cub ears because the crown clips had flipped back out and pulled my hair out so no it that's so funny that you picked up on that um michael will will laugh hysterically when he watches that so not tape they're teeny tiny combs i eventually had to cut them out because they just were not cooperating um but yeah that that's so funny yeah, I know. I was reading like a book about the history of Miss America. And I think like way back when, like talking like 50s, 60s, they used to use tape. But I was like, yeah. surely we've come far enough from that in 2009. Like surely we're not still using tape <laughs> back then. Like what? But that's so funny. I get the idea though, because, you know, I mean, even as a local title holder, I recently crowned my successor and I was stressed. I was like... I'm going. I'm so sorry. Like I'm trying to hurry. <laughs> yeah. So I get the idea. <laughs> yeah. I, you would think that they'd have something even more innovative today. So there, there's our charge. We have to come up with a new way, especially when you know minus America crown is very flat, and so you know you get it up there and it just kind of wobbles. So maybe we need to mess with the shape a little bit so it kind of contours to the head a little bit better. But I know there's our charge, Liz. We've got to come up with a new way. Not take. Not the tiny combs. We need an update from pins. So we got to come up with something. Maybe we should swing around, like come up with some specialty kind of tape that doesn't hurt when you pull it out of your hair. Who knows? <laughs> or honestly, even just something that's quick on the day of crowning and just get it on our head and then yes. figure it out later. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Okay, final question. If you could give one piece of advice, you know, we've got the new Miss America competition coming up in next week, literally. Um, so if you could give one piece of advice to the girls competing for Miss America, what would it be? Oh, there's so many things that I would love to tell them. It always, the best advice usually sounds cliche, right? Because it's so good, everybody uses it. And then it kind of loses its kind of panache. But authenticity is so important. If you can't sustain it, you should never do it in the first place. If you have to change who you are to be crowned Miss America or to do anything in life, it's not worth it. 
And so the cliche, you know, everybody just be yourself, right? But it's true. It really is true because life is so short and it's beautiful and it's complicated and you as an individual are beautiful and complicated. And so just be authentically you. And if you are crowned the next Miss America, awesome. And if you're not crowned the next Miss America, awesome. That just means that you have something else that is perfectly designed for you, for your talents and your abilities and the experiences that God wants for your life. That's going to help you lean into your full potential. So authenticity is so important. And um, if you can be comfortable with who you were created to be and genuinely believe in yourself, love and love yourself and feel confident in your own skin, then you will enjoy life so much more regardless of what you're doing. And so I would just encourage them to, there is no mold that you're going to fit into. Um, so just be confident in the one that, that you were created with. Yeah. I love that advice because it used to tick me off when people would tell me that like pageant coaches or directors or what, whoever, uh, I used to get so frustrated when people would be like, just be yourself. I'd be like, I've been told that like five times. Stop saying that. <laughs> but yeah. thinking about it and I was like, if I were to like create like this whole new persona and that's what I want as like, I would have to quite literally spend the next year, you know, figuring out, you know, thinking about, okay, what would this persona that I've created do? Because that was what I was proud of. And at that point it's a job. And so I, you know, it's only fair that I'm doing what I was crowned to do, you know? So it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. But that's also not to say that you are only one thing, right? That you, you know, one day I could be dressed to the nines, very glamorous. And the next day in my leggings and, you know, no makeup, hair and ponytail, which is most of the time, let's be honest um, for me. So, uh, you know, it's like, you can have this multidimensional personality and both parts of your personality are genuine and authentic to who you are. So just because somebody sees you in your leggings and your, you know, hair a mess one day and then sees you all dressed up the next, you're not two different people. You know, they're very much still the same person. Um, it's just your personality is there's depth to who you are. So, um, you know, it just, I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, the whole conversation of authenticity, be authentically you means that I have to be this one thing all the time. No, of course not. Because you are complex and beautiful. And there's so many different aspects of your personality. That's who you are. So uh, I know, especially in the day of social media, this has also been a lot of conversations I've had lately because I don't participate a lot in social media. I'm not incredibly active. I'm more of a, a you know, I, I like to just scroll through and have the entertainment value and stuff. I'm not putting stuff out there. And there's a lot of conversations about people who make social media a lot of their career. Uh, they, you know, turn businesses out of it. They become influencers and they build a brand. And so there's this conversation about who do you want to put forward 
online. And that's who you need to stay true to. And, you know, I think about some of the people that I follow and maybe they love to bake. Maybe they love fashion. Maybe they love renovating homes. Well, they also love doing a hundred million other things. But the things that they're posting online are associated with their brand. And I think it's just a good reminder, especially to those that choose to share their life online, that your brand is not your identity. And if you stray from your brand, it does not mean that you are living inauthentically because no person is one thing. No person enjoys one thing. And so um, I've definitely gotten on a soapbox here and I apologize, Liz, but um, it, these have just been conversations that have come up. And I just want, especially young people um, that are getting ready to go and compete um, that might feel the pressure of having a presence online. That's why it's come up in conversation recently because some people are scared of it. Some people are all over it. You know, it's, you get a mixed bag and just to remember that who you are is not, is not um, singular. It's very multidimensional and all of that can be very authentic, but don't, don't try to mold yourself into something you think should be the perfect form of what's going to be successful in that avenue. Just be you just posted this quote on her Instagram and it is, I feel like exactly like that advice that you just gave in a quote. And it's, what it was, it's like, um, you're not responsible for the image that somebody else has of you, which is yeah. essentially what you're saying. And it's so true. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of people, you know, because I've not been very public since my year of Miss America, a lot of people will always view me as a Miss America and I got to say, the role Miss America plays in my everyday life is minuscule, if even non-existent. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm cooking and cleaning and working and problem solving and running kids. And, you know, but, you know, a lot of people will always look at me and say, oh, yeah, she was Miss America. It was one year out of my life. And so you're absolutely right. You're not responsible for whom others have have identified you as. And so stand confident in that, that you are many different things, many beautiful things, and they're all authentically true to who you are. And uh, just because someone sees you in a certain way does not make it true. So um, just stand by that and be confident in that. And if somebody tries to tell you otherwise, then, you know, Step away with contentment, knowing that you you know your heart and you know what integrity looks like and keep living your life. Yeah, I love that. And it's so nice to hear that from somebody who's on the other side of that and is able to say like, I've done this and I've, you know, kind of walked through this and I know that this works. And so as somebody who's still like growing and, and very much like in the prime of trying to figure out who I am as an individual. I love like hearing wisdom like that because it is so like assuring and comforting to hear that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's true. And it's not just something that sounds good or something that a Bella Hadid or another supermodel posted that is a cute, you know, like a cute post, like it's actually valid. And so it's so important to hear that from you. Absolutely. 
And you also need to hear, Liz, that I know that you say you're still trying to figure out who you are. I am too. Right. Like I'm more than twice your age and I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And that's the beauty of life. I hope I never figure it out. I hope I'm always in pursuit of that because that means that I am open to learning and open to discovery and open to growing and exploring. And so, you know, I'm not done dreaming. I hope I never am. And I hope you aren't either. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on and chatting with me. And you're so sweet to answer a DM from a random girl that you don't know. I so appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on. I hope all of the girls who are competing at Miss America or Miss America's team next week are able to hear that awesome advice that you shared and a little bit about your year and your experience with the organization and with the title and also just life after the crown. So I so appreciate you um, coming on and chatting with me and hanging out. (laughs) Well, thank you for inviting me, Liz. You're so lovely. Of course, of course. Anytime, anytime. And I will see the rest of you guys on our next episode. Bye, y'all.